Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we come now to the end of the Advent season, this time of preparation for the coming of the Lord. And the Church has given us images, powerful images, from the book of the prophet Isaiah. We heard of God's holy mountain, where all the tribes go up. Second week, we heard of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, all those gifts of mind and soul that will be given to those who participate in the Messiah. Last week, we heard about the blooming desert. The desert can be a place of preparation for great life. And now, in this culminating fourth week, we get the greatest of the Isaiah images. Listen now, our first reading taken from the seventh chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you this sign. The virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. The virgin shall be with child. That's the fourth and greatest of these images from the prophet Isaiah. The image of the sterile woman the woman who would be a very unlikely candidate for motherhood, giving birth, is a common one throughout the Bible. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, receives news from the angel that when she's in her 90s, she will give birth. And Sarah famously laughs. Who wouldn't? But a year later, she gives birth, this improbable candidate for motherhood. We hear later of Hannah, a woman who is sterile, deeply frustrated, and in her pain and her anguish, she cries out to God. She becomes the mother of Samuel, the prophet. We hear of the mother of Samson, the mighty judge. She too was thought to be sterile, and she gives birth. And of course, in the New Testament, we hear of Elizabeth, throughout her married life, presumed to be sterile. And yet, she gives birth to John the Baptist. Then, the greatest of these signs, the one that fulfills this prophecy of Isaiah, Mary, the virgin, the one who said to the angel, but I I know not man, she gives birth. The virgin gives birth. What do we make of this? Never underestimate the power of God. Stop overestimating your own power. Almost a way, Christians, of summing up the message of the Bible. Where do we get in trouble, we human beings? We overestimate our own power. We run our lives on our terms, in our way. We're in control. The heart of the spiritual life 
is a radical inner transformation whereby I turn my life over to the direction of God. That fat, relentless ego never stops, never lets go, always must be in command. That's the problem. The solution? Let it be done to me according to your word. That virginal stance, if I could put it that way, the stance of Mary, let it be done to me according to your word. Christians, look at all the biblical stories that tell us this truth. What's the problem with Adam and Eve? They grasped at the knowledge of good and evil. We will determine what's right and wrong. We will live our lives on our terms, in our way. We will not acquiesce to the direction of God. The sin of our primal parents, bequeathed to every one of us, is precisely the sin of self-direction, of, if I could put it this way, auto-salvation. I can save myself. I can set my life right on my own. From that primordial mistake, the agony of the human race has followed. A bit later in the book of Genesis, we hear about the Tower of Babel, same idea. Through our heroic efforts, through our technology, by the way, how modern that story seems, doesn't it? Together we will build this great tower using all of our skills in technology, building, architecture, art, science. We will build this tower which will rival God. It will rise to the very face of God. And of course, God judges the Tower of Babel and scatters the people and confuses their languages. The spiritual lesson is clear. When we try to do this on our own, we fail. Our lives must be acquiescent to the will of God. Where else do you see it? In almost all the biblical accounts of the great enemies of Israel. Pharaoh, in the book of Exodus, what's he doing? He's enslaving the Israelites, using them for his own purpose, building fortified cities and monuments to himself. I think I've said to you before how eloquent those symbols are. Most of us sinners spend most of our time doing precisely what Pharaoh did, using everything in our power to build fortified cities, defending our egos, and building monuments to ourselves. The Philistines, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, the whole parade of them in the Bible are characterized by an arrogance of self-direction, the enemies of Israel are the ones who carry forth the style of Adam and Eve, the style of the Tower of Babel. What saves us? What saves us now is the Christ who comes through the attitude of Mary. The angel proposes to her that she will be the mother of God. And Mary's response is, let it be done to me according to your word. Notice, please, the passive voice. Notice, please, the passive voice. 
Let it be done to me according to your word. Now, mind you, I'm not advocating Protestantism here. I'm not advocating a kind of spiritual quietism. Mary cooperates with grace. Yes, indeed. She cooperates with it. But salvation always begins with grace. It has to. That's what it means to be saved. It always begins with the intervention of God. It always begins with God's gracious gift to which we acquiesce, with which we cooperate. God wants to come to birth in us the same way, and he chooses the same means. He wants us to be acquiescent to his will. Something I love here now, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we have this sign of Mary, the virgin who gives birth. Wound around that narrative, wound around that theme, like a counter-melody in a fugue, is the story of Joseph. Joseph, in a kind of lesser way, mimics this same move. I've long been intrigued by Joseph. We know almost nothing about him. There are legends and stories and so on. The little we know is contained in the beginning of these gospel accounts, but they are very eloquent spiritually. Listen now from some things from today's gospel. When his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, an upright man, unwilling to expose her to the law, decided to divorce her quietly. There's so much in there. It's a little character sketch. Can you imagine the anger, frustration, confusion that Joseph must have felt? Here's the woman to whom he's betrothed, the woman whom he loves. He wants to marry her, spend his life with her. And now he discovers that she's pregnant. The disappointment, the frustration, the anger. Imagine how he must have been angry with her. How could you have done this to me? But yet we hear his goodness and his kindness. Instead of lashing out at Mary, he wants to make this as easy as possible and resolves to divorce her quietly. That was out of protection for her. And then this wonderful moment. Such was his intention when suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream and said to him, Joseph, son of David, have no fear about taking Mary as your wife. It is by the Holy Spirit that she has conceived this child. And so Joseph cooperated. I love the two motifs here. He listens first to a dream. A dream? How irrational. How strange. How out of control. Quite right. Joseph is willing to think out of the box. Joseph is willing to imagine new possibilities. There's an expansiveness to his mind and his soul, the willingness to listen to a dream. More to it, he listens to an angel. The trouble with us human beings is when we say, we're in charge. On my terms, I'll run my life. I make the decisions around here. It's the goals that I seek. It's what I want. My plans, my projects. 
Joseph is the quintessentially spiritual man here who abandons those. Even when he can't clearly see what's being proposed to him, he abandons his own plans and says, I will surrender to powers beyond me. I will surrender to a plan that I can't grasp, but which I acknowledge is superior to me. In that, it's a kind of, in a minor key, in a lesser way, it's a mimicking of the acquiescence of Mary. These two great Advent figures, Mary and Joseph, prepare us now for this final time before Christmas. What have we heard now throughout Advent of the holy mountain where the tribes are gathered? I argued a few weeks ago that it means all the powers of soul gathered together around Christ the center. The holy mountain is about him. We heard too in the second week about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, fear of the Lord, etc. What are they about? They're about Him, because in Him they're realized. Third week, we heard about the blooming desert. That too is about Jesus Christ, because Christ, going through the desert of the cross, comes to the full flowering of the resurrection. And now here, in the culminating week of Advent, this greatest sign, the virgin shall be with child, that, of course, is about Christ, the Virgin Mary, through her acquiescence, giving birth to Jesus Christ. Christians, in all these ways, through all these images, we are being prepared to receive Jesus Christ, to allow Him to come to birth in us. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.